The Veterans Report is sponsored by James Cannon. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again for the truth to sink in, to kind of catapult the propaganda. Seven years of college down the drain. I'm sorry, but all questions must be submitted in writing. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Welcome to the Veterans Report, the region's only show dedicated to those who have served our country. We have the latest news and information on resources available to veterans, including health care, education, employment tips, local volunteer organizations, and more. To those who have served, those who are serving, and to those who will, we salute you. And now, the host of the Veterans Report, Jim Cannon. And welcome back to the Veterans Report. Thanks for tuning in today here on KHB Radio. We also want to say hello to our friends at WTF Nation listening around the country and around the world. So if you have time, check out their programming as well. Uh, So today we have some great news stories to cover. Uh, As a reminder, you can find those stories along with this week's show at theveteransreport.com. Theveteransreport.com, that's one word. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, along with the podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So we're everywhere. Uh, but today, today we are getting right to it. And joining us is James Albus, the CEO of a company called Snowhub. That's S-N-O-H-U-B, Snowhub. And James is disrupting the snow removal business across about mm, 20-some states. Uh, so James, welcome to the show. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely, this is going to be uh, this is going to be fun seeing uh, James and James going back and forth. It'll be like a tennis <laughs> right. match. J squared. <laughs> J squared. I love it. Uh, so hey, so check this out. Um, you're doing something pretty unique and uh, pretty cool. Uh, and I, I do want to let people know, people listening. Uh, I spoke with your PR person, which is kind of cool to say you have your own PR person. Um, and she, <laughs> that's awesome. So she walked me through what you're doing. Uh, if you could, James, just uh, briefly describe kind of the general concept of, of Snowhub, and then we'll sort of get into the specifics. So go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, Snowhub, quite simply, is, is uh, it's a mobile app that connects uh, homeowners or customers with uh, contractors, and it's it's very similar if you're, if you're familiar with how Uber works or Airbnb works. Um, it's a very similar concept. Our tech is built in a very similar way. It's it's an easy way for both homeowners um, and contractors to step into the marketplace. Whether you're an existing guy out there with a pickup and a plow, or you just wanted to step into the market and you know earn a couple thousand dollars this coming winter, it's a frictionless app that is quite simple. You could use. A pickup and a plow. You can use a snowblower. You can use a shovel, and get out there and make you know a lot of money this winter. So, um, and again, before we go get too far into the weeds, when you say you could use a, a you know a snowplow or a shovel, so this could be used by anybody of any age of any capability. Correct. Correct. So again, we have our, you know our workforce consists, uh, as I said, of the guys that are you know currently in the industry, guys that are looking to step into the industry. Um, and folks that, as I said, just have you know a piece of equipment in their garage, whether it's as I said, it's a snow shovel or even a snowblower, 
because um, when we get those snow events, um, and we do uh, get a lot of them, and so it's a great way for, as I said, guys to get out there and earn some great extra money. Oh, that's great. So even so, because I'm worried more about the blowback from the 12 year olds because they're like, no, no, no. You have to be at least <laughs> 17, 18 years old. Yeah, I mean, I uh, okay. started it out. I mean, years ago with uh, with the shovel over my shoulder, but obviously. You know, it's kind of awkward. No one wants to go up and knock on someone's door and, and ask for cash. And so, you know, theoretically, you could walk through your neighborhood um, and just look on look on the app. And it, it's the the jobs are you know notated there, so you'll see a, a simple icon, and you just tap on the the job. You'll know exactly how much you're going to make. You know exactly what you have to do. Quite simply, you just take uh, a snapshot of what the customer asked. Let's say. It's shovel the driveway or shovel the walkway um you take a before and after photo hit job done the homeowner's credit card's charged and the money's in your bank account in three days oh so you don't um, even you don't even have to interact with the person not at all not at all so again it's, it's a great way as i say you just want to get out there and hustle you know for eight hours you know i had guys last year making a thousand dollars in a snowstorm oh man that's amazing so what was uh, no no obviously i, I want to start on one end of this, obviously, this is for cold weather climate, but I mean, yeah, which which affects enough, what three quarters right, of the right. country. There's enough of those markets, obviously, in the northern part of our country. Yeah, sure. Now, I said I tried to count because um, I, I I checked out uh, I checked out your website and I was going through all the stuff. I tried to count manually the number of states, and I think I got it right. Was it twenty or twenty one? Um, it, it's right now it's uh, it's twenty one states. Um. You know, again, anywhere there's there's any exposure of snow, and so where they get you know 22 inches, you know, in the winter season, or as much as 75 inches, you know, in a given season. So yes, it is 21, um, and one internationally uh, that's in uh, Calgary. We're pushing up there as well. Really, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. So what was the what what was sort of the spark for this or the impetus for you designing this? Yeah. Um, it, it, look, I mean, I, I was a homeowner for 10 years, and this whole app um, and this company was built out of my frustration. First of all, you know, look, I had a contractor every single year, and, and again, the, the, the calculus never changed one second. I didn't know what time they were going to show up, if they were going to show up. Um, and secondly, I didn't have any verification of what they did or, as I said, what time they would arrive. And just the whole awkwardness of, you know, running out at 9.30 at night with two young kids paying with cash or checks, which is simply an antiquated way of looking at things and just looking at so many modern disruptive companies. I said, look, this industry is quite inefficient. I, there's, there's ways we can improve it for both uh, customers as well as homeowners, and this is the way through it. And so, again, I learned quite, quite the hard way. Um, and then, again, look. I'm not just like a product tech guy. I'm, I've been doing, I've been plowing for four years now. So, you know, after building the whole architecture, I was like, look, I got to go out and do it myself. And so, you know, I plow in the wintertime and, you know, I help customers out from Rochester to Boston to New York when I can. Um, so, again, I, you know, knee deep into this. <laughs> knee deep. Well done. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, you're obviously an East Coaster, right? Yes. Yes, um, our office is located in uh, Fairfield County, Connecticut, and but uh, as I said, we're in we're in most of the major markets right now. Okay, gotcha. So now the the software that you used to do this, I mean, did you re- completely? 
how am I going to ask this? Was this sort of built um, from scratch Found or from up? spec? Yeah, yeah. The, all the code is native, which means that it's it's ground up. But we did pull in off the shelf software that other similar tech companies have used, um, like Twilio and Stripe. Again, these are these are very standard features that other major apps use, like Uber and the like, for communication tools. Like for example. Um, that that's a way for both the customer and the contractor to talk directly through the app. Again, going back to your earlier question about, you know, what was the impetus? The reality is, is that it's very, very difficult to speak to a contractor um, while you're there. And so when, when a contractor accepts a job, uh, there's that open communication tool between both sides. And so, again, that was one of the tech features that we built into it. We have tip features. We have a modern payment gateway system. Um, so, but most of the code, 95% of the code is all native. It's all custom built for both the Apple store as well as Google play. Oh, that's, that's really cool. And that's a lot of fun. And, and, you know, looking at this, um, you know, there, there have to be application, other applications for something like this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just very broadly, there's, there's other things we're looking at, you know, cause we have a lot of data on people's driveways. So we're looking at pivoting into, um, you know, ceiling, driveway ceiling, or the movement of stuff with pickups. Because a lot of my guys, obviously, we all drive pickups. And so one of the things that we can move stuff. And, again, there's ways we can leverage the existing technology for other verticals. But, again, that, that would be separate brands and separate products. But, again, the tech architecture is exclusively for, for snow. And that's one of the things that I will say that the Snow Hub app is a complete turnkey solution for both the customers as well as the contractors. Every single piece of tech architecture was built on a contractor saying, hey, I'd love to pick up five jobs in a row. I don't want to go out there for just one job. So we listened to what the contractors were saying and said, look, you know what? You can reserve now five jobs in a row. So for, you know, if you wanted to say, okay, well, I want to get going in the morning, uh, you can reserve five jobs. And so you know definitively you've got $200 sitting in your pocket before you get going. I mean, that's one of the things, the same with customers. So whatever they've asked for, we're constantly building in terms of our tech architecture. Oh, that's great. That is great. So do you have employees? Um, yeah, we have. Obviously, you've heard, you've, you've met my PR team. Um, we have a customer service team and a tech team um, that predominantly is in Europe. Uh, but, again, we're ramping up right now um, in terms of our operation here in the Northeast. I've got a social media team that's in the Midwest. Um, so, again, but we're, we're not heavily laden with, you know, huge, uh, you know, uh, employees. But, again, we operate in a very seamless way. So, again, like I said, you know, regardless of geography, we're, we, we can respond quite quickly to anything and everything. So, now, when I was, uh, when I was speaking with your PR folks <clears throat> um, prior, to, prior to setting this up, um, yeah. It was mentioned that you are you're sort of pushing an initiative or, or making an effort um, with respect to veterans. So yes. what, what is that and what's that about and and how overall how is this going to help vets? Sure, um, you know when we were kind of you know looking at this when when I look at um, you know the veteran market obviously you know there's two there's two schools of thought that I was thinking about to help vets and one um, returning vets that are coming back. Um, reacclimating themselves back into the workforce, um, as well as possibly, you know, those folks that serve in the Guard. 
Um, incidentally, I, I have a brother that um, started off in the Air National Guard, um, but then he's full-time Air Force. He runs the, the C-130 wing out of Savannah. Um, my father was uh, in, in the Army and in Europe as well. So back to your question, uh, how this will help vets is, is on several fronts. One, um, it's a great way for, for them, as I said, what, if they have a pickup, um, if they want to get out there and earn some extra money. I mean, I, I, intuitively, I, I can't really see vets, like, driving for Lyft or Uber, but they may. But at the end of the day, you know, this is, this is a great way for, for them uh, if they're looking for extra ways to make money. Um, let's say they're, you know, if they're, if they're home for a couple months, it's during the winter months, you know, they can, they can get out there and use it and make extra money. Um, and everyone can use extra money these days. And so, and again, that, that's what I was thinking about in terms of the vets and how we can help them um, in that context. And so, um, and we're going to be rolling out a program in the next couple of weeks where we're actually going to be giving away a plow um, for everyone, like they're gonna, if they download the Snowhub app, we're gonna give away a free uh, SnowX plow through our partner Douglas Dynamics um, to uh, to someone who downloads the app. So this is also another way for, let's say, potentially a vet to win a plow. But again, like I said, they don't have to go down that route if they don't want to. They can, as I said, for a couple hundred bucks, go out there and get a uh, a snowblower, but you know, at the end of the day, what what we want to do, and our clear message to veterans is this: guys, listen. You know, everyone, as I said, myself included, years ago, um, was looking for ways to make extra money, and this is something um, that you can get out there. You know, whether it's a couple days in a month, in, in January, February, March, um, and earn some really good money, and obviously that you know you can use it however you need to use it. And again, the payment is so simple. You're paid in three days. Um, you don't have to interact with customers. The jobs are all over the place. The demand is so high here. But, again, that's the whole thing about our demand is through the roof, and, and I need capable um, folks to get out there and do it, and who better than uh, veterans to get out there. And, you know, you guys have been through a lot and sacrificed a lot, and that's my message to you all is that I appreciate your service to our country and whatever I can do to help you earn some extra money this winter, hopefully the Snow Hub app, um, if you give it a whirl, um, can do that for you. Well, I, I certainly know that helps, uh, you know, in terms of motivating people to get out of the house during the winter because that's that's one of those times where you just want to sit, you know, sit on the couch, drink a beer, not right. not step right. foot outside. But if you can do that and make a couple hundred bucks a week doing it, why not, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's the whole thing. Look, you know, if you have a full-time job, I like to say you're a vet in, in most of those snow events, truthfully, if there's a foot of snow out there, it's difficult to get to where you're going. As you said, you know, you can you can watch the, the same reruns of the weather reports and watch the snow come down or get out there in your neighborhood or in your community and your city and get out there and, you know, as I said, to make several hundred dollars in, in a storm um, and, and, and more. You know, like I said, some of, my, some of my best guys, like I said, will follow the storm from New Jersey up through uh, Boston, and made two thousand dollars in a week. Um, and these are and these are, and listen. And he he's a painter. He's a painter um, in the summer. So for him, obviously his workflow is, is down. So, but look, as I said, if if, if you you can follow storms, you can use the app wherever you want. 
And so, like I said, it follows, it follows you. So, like I said, use the equipment you have, go out, work as much as you want, and you can earn as much as you need. Because, as I said, our demand is through the roof. And as I said, if you guys want to step in here, earn some great money, the app will do everything for you. You don't have to figure out the marketing. You don't have to figure out how you're going to get paid, if you're going to get paid. We even have tip features. So customers can even tip you up to $15 in a job. You know, so like I said, it's it's good income. It's good income. It's not, as I said, like, you know, minimum wage. As I said, it's, it's really, really good income. Well, and, and to your point, um, you know, and anybody who lives up north knows this, there's no shortage of demand for, uh, for, for snow removal. I mean, right. you know, how, how many months, months on end, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and look, let me go back to your earlier question about how this all came about. You know, when you look at the entire workforce, right, of those people that are serving the existing snow removal industry, right, the reason why there's so much demand is because there's not enough supply. So intuitively, I thought to myself, like, who else can I pull into this industry? Military vets um, uh, and active guard personnel was, was a clear, you know, thought in the sense that because the app can do it all for you. You don't need any special licensing or special insurance to do this. As I said, you're only taking care of residential properties, and I want to make that a, you know very clear is that we only address residential properties. So again, as I said, you know you can go out there and, and do it. And so we needed to expand the workforce, so to include um, military vets. Look, I've got guys that are police officers that finish their shift work at 2 in the afternoon and will go out and file from 2 to 10 at night. I've got firefighters. I've got even airline pilots. And I've folks that come from every direction looking to make, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month doing it. And so why not? Why not that? Oh, I agree. I mean, if anybody is accustomed to being miserable and having to work in miserable conditions, it's certainly vets. So... Uh, <laughs> if you're going to suffer, yeah. you might as well get paid for it, right? Right, and good money, too. So, and, you, and you're going to have to go outside and do it anyway at your own house. So, right. you know, right. certainly uh, make up for it. Oh, this is this is such a cool um, such a cool use of technology, too. And, you know, and obviously with, with all the cars like Uber and Lyft that you mentioned, I mean, uh, most people are accustomed to that, to that, uh, that platform now. But, right. um, yeah, what, what a unique application. So... How do people? So you've got the um, you've got the people that are going to be doing the plowing. They can download that to whatever device they're using. But what about as a homeowner? How do I know to do this? Well, sure. I mean, the awareness is so prevalent right now, like because of the great effort that we have in terms of our PR and our marketing. Um, the public awareness about Snowhub is is off the charts. And when I when I talk to the media. Uh, obviously they like it because, again, what we're trying to do is to inform the market about a convenient service. And so, again, as you pointed out, that what customers are accustomed to is that they want everything convenient. They want it in the palm of their hand. And so uh, so in terms of receptivity, in terms of embracement of this technology, um, you know, it, it's well there. And as I said, the demand it far exceeds the supply. So, and we're going to continue to push out um, quite aggressively in the next uh, several months. So, you'll hear about us on the airwaves, um, whether it's on Yahoo Finance or NBC or the major networks. Um, 
you'll, you'll hear about it. And so, as I said, whether you're in Cleveland or Boston or in Denver and Salt Lake and New York, um, you know, like I said, we're, we're covered. Um, but what I need, as I said, is, is, is the guys <laughs> to, to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to ask if you're planning more expansion into uh, other parts of the country, like further out west. Yeah, um, we are in Denver. We are in Salt Lake City. Um, we are in Minneapolis, St. Paul. We are in Milwaukee. We are in Chicago. So we are um, launching in Cleveland in two weeks. So, you know, the, the furthest west we've gone, as I said, is Salt Lake. Um, so we're out in Denver and in Salt Lake right now. Um, and again, to answer your question about how the consumers found us, I mean, when I, when I did a radio uh, TV report, um, 3,000 people downloaded the app within 24 hours. That's oh, wow. the demand there is for this. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So when, when we go in there and when we do a concerted marketing effort, we're obviously very in tune to social media as well. We're all over social media. You go on our Facebook page, on the Snow Hub Facebook page. Um, it's all it's all there as well. Or if you want to learn more about it, um, obviously on our website too. Um, yeah, so th- that's that that's in terms of our expansion. Um, you know, and and clearly, as I said, that we're pushing we're going to push into Canada and test out like Calgary and and the North American markets as well. I was just I was just thinking of different <clears throat> different groups that could benefit from this, and the first thing that came to mind were college kids because, you know, yeah. going out and shoveling snow is probably a lot healthier than selling plasma, which is what we used to do right. for beer money. So right, right, no, absolutely, that's a great point, and and we, um, you know, in terms of the college uh, college for, uh, workforce, um, you know, we're we're testing um, one of my uh, marketing teams is based out of the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. Um, and so that, that is a clear other workforce group because again, whether you're a college kid and you're in Ann Arbor or Boston or Chicago, you can use it there. And the communities very much embrace the college kids. And as I said, when they're, when they're home for winter break, um, they could use it. And, and truthfully, as I said, they can earn enough money for them to not only have whatever they want to consume on the weekend, but, you know, nice spring break money or whatever that they wanted to use it for. So Again, it's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great app for college students as well. Listen, you said spring break money. You you know what that is. You know what that means. But <laughs> yeah, I do, I do. Um, um, so so real quick, walk me through. Uh, so I I go on to your website, or is there um, is there somewhere else to find this? Is it a specific? No, no, no. App? I mean, look, if, if you want generic information, everything is there about the benefits on snowhub.com. Mm-hmm. That's com. Um, but the apps are currently available in the Apple Store and in the Google Play Store, so they can download the app. Um, it's a free app, so again, hmm. um, so again, it doesn't cost them anything to to download the app. Um, and then again, just just for transparency purposes, like if you guys want to go out there and work for Snowhub, you keep seventy percent of everything you make. Whoa! So let so uh, let's say it's a hundred dollar job, you know, you're keeping. 70 bucks on that you go out there and do 10 jobs you're making 700 bucks in a day and you can bang out two jobs in an hour you know most of the guys don't spend any more than 30 minutes on a job so it's good money and the average the average pay across the country varies from 50 to 100 bucks and again it's a la carte so customers will ask uh, like the driveway may cost 50 bucks but a lot of customers say all right look salt my walkway 
double my uh, sidewalk, you know. Um, so 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 that creeps up in terms of like the average spend goes a little bit higher than just the baseline price. Oh, that's so fantastic! Been good money. That is great. Yeah, and I know a lot of the phone apps these days. I mean, they they basically install themselves. You just hit the button to hit install, and it's on your phone, and it's ready to go. Right. Yeah, yeah. So what they do is like once it, once it's installed. You'll click sign up either as a as a customer or a contractor. And if you're a contractor, there's there's five simple steps. Like you just tick off like the equipment that you have, whether it's a, a truck and a plow or a shovel or a snowblower. Um, if you're just a shoveler uh, or a snowblower person, you're just entering a profile picture of yourself. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, in terms of ID, like obviously if if you've got to pick up in a plow. You know, you you're have to um, take a quick snapshot of your driver's license, of your insurance card, and your truck, um, so we can just validate that because clearly we need that for our back office. But sure. Other than that, it takes less than five minutes, and you'll be approved within 24 hours um, to get going. So, but we encourage people to download it now so you can be ready. Um, and like I said, it, it costs nothing. You have got nothing to lose and everything to gain. I was just going to mention that people should download it now because winter is right around the corner, especially if you live up, you know, it's one thing to live out in, you know, Nebraska or Illinois because, um, you know, it kind of creeps up on you from the coast. But when you live in Boston, New York, even Pittsburgh, it shows up overnight and uh, yep. you know, you're buried in 18 inches of snow all of a sudden. So, yeah, That's now right. now is That's the right. time. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so listen, it's a great app. And, you know, like I said, there's there's zero to lose here and everything to gain and and it, it's a great app and look we've spent three years of a lot of time money and effort um learning all the different nuances about what customers want what contractors want and need um so we've been at this quite some time as i said we're on our 80th version of the app so as i said it was every single you know nuance that a customer asked for or a contractor asked for we built it directly into the app. We've even built Waze into the app, like Waze Geotechnology, so, you know, you, you don't have to figure out where you're going, you know? So oh, wow. The app, will take, the app will take you there, and even from a customer perspective, like, you know, as I said to you, like, well, my pain point, like, where the heck is my contractor? And it's like, you could follow your contractor just like, you know, with, with the truck on your phone, so you know exactly where they are, you know exactly what time it's going to get there. Um, so no more waiting around. Well, that's awesome. And, uh, again, people can download the app. They can go to your website, which is? Snowhub.com. That's www.snohub.com. Well, hey, James, really, man, I, I appreciate the time, you you know, uh, on the show today, and I appreciate you walking Thank me you. through this because it's, for, for me, this kind of stuff is fascinating, the fact that we have come so far in such a short period of time using technology for stuff like this. and. Uh, yeah, like everybody else, yeah, I've gone through. I don't know how many contractors, and you sit there and you wait and you wait and you wait. This is this is designed for people who want to work. They want the job, right? Exactly, exactly. So again, that's what the that's what technology is designed to do. It's it's that thread between the customer and the contractor in the most convenient way possible, in the most frictionless way possible, and and so. Look, if you want to go out there and work, you can do it. And as I said, like, and and again, I didn't want to relegate everyone just to a, a snowplow because everyone can't afford a five thousand dollar plow. You know, 
know, and it doesn't have a pickup truck. But you know, look, in Pittsburgh and Philly or whatever, you know, like I said, a snowblower would suffice quite well. And I said, you know, we don't price discriminate. So if, if someone if someone wants to snowblow someone's driveway using a snowblower, the price is the same. The price would be the same. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I'm... I'm looking forward to it, man. It'll be a good uh, good workout for everybody during the winter to, to shed yeah. that beer fat. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Well, um, hey, I'll tell you what. Co- come back in February, March, and let us know how it went, and uh, hopefully, you know, yeah. this thing goes through the roof. Yeah, well, uh, I'll be out in uh, the Pittsburgh uh, and the Philadelphia area, and, um, you know, shortly just passing through. So uh, I'll drop in and say hello. Sounds good. All right, James. Thank you. James Albus, the CEO of Snow Hub. Thanks a lot, James. All right. And uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with some veteran news. If you want to keep up with the latest in veteran news away from the radio, stop by our website at www.theveteransreport.com. There you'll find news headlines along with links to media outlets around the world. You can also find links to every state's veteran services office. And for you film buffs, there's even a link to a war movie database. We appreciate you stopping by the Facebook page at facebook.com slash theveteransreport. There, like the website, you'll find the latest news and information related to veterans. For you high-speed individuals who want to limit yourself to 140 characters, stop by our Twitter account. It's a great way to find information on veteran organizations throughout the country and what they're up to. You can tweet us by using at the Vets Report. If you'd like to email the show directly, please send us your input, comments, or suggestions to editor at theveteransreport.com. Thanks again for checking out our pages. Thanks for listening, and thank you for supporting our veterans community. And we are back. Thanks for uh, thanks for hanging tough. And again, that was James Albus with Snow Hub, which is using the basically the same platform, same type of platform as Uber and Lyft, um, which I think is just a it's it's brilliant in its simplicity. Uh, and they're using that for snow removal during the winter, which is coming right at us in most parts of the country. If you are fortunate enough to live in Florida or Texas or Arizona or somewhere that doesn't get snow. Mm, probably not going to do you a lot of good. However, however, uh, I'm sure there. I'm sure you could think of other applications for it. Like, well, put your thinking cap on. So we have some news. Um, if I can find it. So I. So, in terms of news, let me start big picture here. You got to be careful uh, what media sources you go to and i say that not as a it's too easy to politicize things right and see things through a lens of ideology which pretty much all of us do now whether or not we admit it Uh, you know there's that inherent bias all of us have and that's true with media outlets as well there are very few very few outlets in the world right now which could even be considered uh, you know neutral or objective or even classical journalism I mean, very few. Uh, virtually every one of them has some kind of uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, an agenda. Um, 
So, but it's, it's anyway, I, I mentioned that because, you know, every now and then when culling the news that we've pulled, I see a particular story from a particular source and I'm either familiar with it or if I'm not, I go dig into it. Um, <laughs> now, and then you have to take it with kind of a grain of salt, right? So there's always, there's always a kernel of truth in all of these. It always starts off with that kernel of truth, the basis for the story. And then everybody puts their spin on it, whether it's, you know, to the right, to the left, whatever. Uh, so I mention all that because you have to, again, you have to be very judicious in how much stock you put into an entire story. I don't, I've never read a news story where I bought into it 100% and just nodded my head and thought, well, okay, everything in here is true. Because it's not. I mean, there's, uh, again, there's fact, and then there's spin. Um, there's, you know, uh, whatever the agenda or the tone is. Now, I'll, I'll get off that soapbox. <clears throat> I mention that because this story came from an organization called ProPublica. Uh, I, I know ProPublica well, and I also know <laughs> their agenda. And uh, if ProPublica wrote a story that uh, the sun was shining, I would physically get up and walk outside. Now, uh, the kernel of truth in that story is that there is a sun and that it shines, right? However, they wrote, uh, they put out a story the other day, a couple days ago, about the VA and their ongoing saga with the electronic health record. Now, I've talked about that on the show repeatedly about the, the electronic health record or the EHRs. Base, the big picture premise is uh, a couple of years ago, DOD signed a contract. Actually, in 2015, they signed a contract after a couple of years of, of uh, messing around with different bidders and different contractors and playing with it. Uh, in 2015, DOD signed a contract, multi-billion dollar contract with a company called Cerner. It starts with the letter C. Cerner Software to basically set up a software program to make all of the medical records available electronically, okay? Uh, the purpose for that was to be able to transfer them. Say you have a trauma surgeon in, I mean, this goes back to the Iraq War, but that's, by the time they signed the contract, that was, well, I, I guess it would still apply in Afghanistan, right? But uh, if, you're on a, if you're on a FOB somewhere, you're on a base somewhere, and let's say you have, uh, you have some guy come in with, with trauma, right? Say he took a, a, a bullet to the, to the chest, you might have a trauma surgeon there. They might want to know whether or not that guy has any issues with, I don't know, uh, you know, any kind of cardiac issues, any kind of previous injuries that would dictate a different course of action other than opening him up. Um, and you can play that one out, right? And they wanted the ability to basically say to somebody, give me his record immediately, bring it up on a computer screen and tell me. <clears throat> Some of the information, again, contrary to what uh, ProPublica wrote in this article, some of the information was available electronically, uh, not all of it, as they do assert in here. But I'll get to my point in a minute. So that was the that was the basis for the EHRs was to make them electronically available. Well, along the way, it was determined, and I, I'm not sure who who ultimately made the call on this, but it was determined that the VA should have the same capability as well as meaning all of the records at the VA should be available electronically so they can transfer between facilities instantly, right? Or somebody can bring them up from, you know, whatever, the, the HAL uh, uh, central database somewhere. But the other part of that was to be able to, to uh, transfer records between DOD and VA. So if you're transitioning out of the military uh, or 
you've already transitioned, you've applied to be part of the VA system, but all of your medical stuff is still with DOD. VA would have, in theory, would have the ability to, uh, I'm going to oversimplify this, you know, put in their one, two, three password and bring up your entire history, download it to where they are, and then have it at whatever facility you, you visit. That was the theory. So DOD contracted with Cerner. They had some real problems. They're still having problems in terms of getting this thing up and running. It is still not 100% operable. Um, and so they're, they're still screwing around with that on the DOD side. VA then went ahead with a no-bid contract for $10 billion to do the same thing with the same contractor. Think about that one for a minute. So that's the story, right? So DOD has a contractor. VA has the same contractor. They want to be able to swap records back and forth electronically. You're talking at this stage, oh, over $20 billion. And again, a system that is still not 100% functional or operable, which is troubling considering the amount of money involved, right? I mean, you have 12-year-olds who are able to hack into secure systems, but somehow our defense department can't come up with a system or a con- or a capable contractor to to put electronic records together. That to me that's stunning. And I realize that's oversimplification as well, but that's stunning and is disappointing. So, um and I mentioned this on multiple occasions, the whole thing about Cerner. I'm not I'm not exactly impressed with them as a contractor. You know, and you would think at some point at some point uh, somebody would come along and say, hey, this contractor is not doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, let's get rid of them and try again. But they didn't. They didn't. So ProPublica, which is a, I mean, they, they make the Huffington Post look legitimate and professional. They really do. Um, ProPublica put, a, and, and if you don't believe me, go to their website and just read the headlines. You don't even have to read the story. Just read the headlines. I mean, you know. Uh, kerosene meat match, right? They, they, oh my God, it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost comical, but they take themselves seriously. But the story is, here's the headline. The VA shadow rulers signature program is trending towards red. Now, who are the shadow rulers? Well, the story asserts that Jared Kushner, Donald Trump's son-in-law is running a shadow effort to uh, steer the whole program. Right. And they assert that there was this um, there's this secret cabal of three people. Right. Uh, It was the three guys that Trump met with back in December of 2016 down at Mar-a-Lago. Ike Perlmutter, who is the chairman of Marvel Entertainment. uh, And they make sure they threw in there belongs to Trump's Palm Beach Club and contributed five million dollars to a super PAC supporting his candidacy. Mm, Okay, so what? Um, And Perlmutter enlisted two friends, Bruce Moskowitz, a West Palm Beach physician, and Mark Sherman, a lawyer who serves as an expert witness in financial disputes. Um, so Perlmutter, Moskowitz, and Sherman became known to VA officials as the Mar-a-Lago crowd. So the, the gist of the story is that these three guys, along with Jared Kushner, are the ones steering the whole VA thing, and then it's a complete failure, and it's their fault. There, I just, I just saved you from having to uh, muddle through this um, 87,000-word essay on this. Uh, that's dumb for a lot of reasons. One is none of them have anything to gain uh, by, by I don't know, uh, screwing up or tanking the VA system. Two, 
And, you know, in fact, they've all come out and said they support the VA and they want to help vets. Uh, but two, all of this stuff was in place before Trump even filed to run for office. Uh, you know, the fact that he had a couple of friends who are now, you know, in the middle of this or giving him advice or whatever. And OK, <laughs> so what? You know, I think the stark difference between this administration and others is like them or not, like the people or not, trust the people or not, we know who they are. The previous administration had a whole bunch of people. We didn't know who they were. Remember that? For a couple of years, we didn't know who all these people were. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. I'm not I'm not getting into Trump defense mode here, but, uh, you know, when you read stories like this and headlines, like, give me a break, man. Give me a break. Take off the tinfoil hat. Just relax. All right. Now, I will say, I will say, uh, from a personal standpoint, I do think the president has an obligation to step in at some point and not just hold Cerner accountable, but I would say give them the, you know, give them sort of the, put them on notice and say you have X amount of time, whether it's 180 days, 90 days, whatever it is, to fix this stuff or you're gone. You're gone for breach of contract or however it reads. Uh, And if somebody can win a lawsuit, Donald Trump certainly can. So, um I don't know. I, I just, that's where I stand. If, if this, if things are so screwed up and that's the kernel of truth in this story is that things are not going as planned, right? That's the, that's the truth. Cerner is not doing a good job. That's the bottom line. And recognizing that they are dealing with the two largest federal agencies, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of people, you know, protecting their fiefdoms. I get it, but you have a job to do, go do it or get lost. And that's, again, the president has an obligation to step in and make sure our money, our taxpayer money, is being spent prudently. And if they can't make their own software system work, then they need to leave, right? Bounce them. Get rid of them. I guarantee there's another company out there hungrier, right, more aggressive, uh, more locked on, more nimble, who could step in and do this for less money. Guarantee it. So the moral of the story is, <laughs> anyway oh man and there was another where is this I I had it written oh I, I'm not going to read this it was a well I'm not going to get into it but if you want a good laugh um, there is a story for, founded on a website called commondreams.org and the headline is your commander in chief is lying to you colon Veterans, they didn't write colon, I said colon. Veterans issue open letter to active duty U.S. soldiers. And it's written by uh, Rory Fanning and Spencer Rapone, who are two vets. I guess, uh, where are we? Rory Fanning, former U.S. Army Ranger and war resister. And Spencer Rapone, former U.S. Army Ranger and infantry officer and war resister. That's interesting. So you're a war resistor after you've been to war and after you've worn the uniform. Tell you what, guys, if you want to really resist, right, you want to show us what kind of principles you have, what kind of backbone you have, you want to have a strong foundation to be a resistor, right? Put on your black hoodie and your Antifa mask and go to D.C. and figure out a way to give up, voluntarily give up all of your veterans benefits. Because if you've accepted anything from the GI Bill, anything from the VA Or if you have used a VA loan, you are a hypocrite. So if you want to read the story about this, uh, this, this, uh, I don't even know what, 
they have some weird group they're called, like the, um, oh, what was their name? They've got some weird name to it. It's some dopey, I don't know, freedom fighter vets or some craziness. Uh, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. They have, they do have some kind of group name though, right? Like the super secret, um, resistor club, something or other. Basically what they're saying is uh, the gist of the story is, uh, that you should refuse your orders to deploy to the Southern U S border, because according to these guys, this is not a legal order now, um, which I find stunning coming from two guys who were not only in the military, but were also army rangers. Uh, so they're advocating one of the lines in here. Our only advice is to resist in groups by every moral or ethical standard. It is your duty to refuse orders to defend the U S from these migrants. There are tens of thousands of us who will support your decision to lay your weapons down, organize with your fellow soldiers. Do not go this alone, which you know what morons, uh, I'm pretty sure that fits the definition of mutiny, doesn't it? And that's punishable under the UCMJ. As I recall, I'm just playing barracks lawyer here, but I'm pretty sure that's how that works. Oh, man. Oh, Veterans for Peace. That's what it is. The Veterans for Peace. As if there's some group out there that's contrarian, right? The, the Veterans for Gruesome and Disgusting Combat. You know, like, give me a break. You guys are seeking attention that badly. Like, just go go get a reality show. Oh, Spencer Rapone is a former officer in the U.S. Army and co-host of the Eyes Left podcast. Follow him on Twitter. Check out his Twitter handle. Punk Proletarian. That's so edgy. So edgy. Yeah, I'm, I'm being snarky, but stuff like this bores me anymore. It just bores me. I used to get bent over it, and I, I just don't care anymore. These guys are ridiculous. You want to resist? You want to be a war resistor, right? Go give back all the benefits. Give them back. You had no problem with war while you were serving, right? And as a result of that service, now you get stuff. Well, give back the stuff. If it was so problematic for you to be a part of this effort, give it back. In lighter news... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I kind of kind of went off the rails there today, huh, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, in lighter news, <clears throat> fewer veterans were homeless in 2018 after a worrisome rise last year. The number of homeless veterans decreased by about 5% this year, according to new estimates from federal researchers. An encouraging turnaround after disappointing results the year before. HUD officials, for those of you who went through the public school system in California, that's housing and urban development. Housing and urban development officials now estimate about 38,000 veterans across the country are without stable housing on any given night, roughly half the number on the streets in 2010. And check this out. Okay, this is the drop among female veterans in the last year was even more significant. HUD officials estimated a 10% drop in homelessness among the population and credited the good news with continued commitment from federal, state, and local leaders on the issue. According to HUD Secretary Ben Carson, who spoke with reporters this week, uh, nationally we're seeing declines in the number of sheltered and unsheltered vets. To date, 64 local communities and three states 
have effectively ended veterans' homelessness. So that's really, that's fantastic news. That is fantastic news. So the numbers are down. Um, the numbers are down 5% from last year. Now keep in mind, these are estimates, right? And they can't find every single one. Uh, and certainly they're not going to be able to solve all of this. So, but good news, good news, because that is still a uh, a big problem. To and to have thirty eight thousand out there, that's still a that's a huge number. Uh, also, in good news, or interesting, or however you want to look at it, well, here's a here's a header for you. White House proclaims November to be National Veterans and Military Families Month. It's not just not just Veterans Day anymore. It's Veterans Month. Which I, I guess I didn't even realize. National Veterans and Military Families Month. In a statement Wednesday, the White House said this month will be dedicated to saluting the brave men and women who have served as well as their families who sacrificed so much. Which I got to say is awesome because most of the time, well, almost all of the time, the families are left out of the discussion. Especially on Veterans Day because, you know, the families, they have to go for the ride as well, right? They have to play along. Um... You know, especially during deployments and training and you have, you know, field exes where the, the spouse is out there for two, three, four weeks and then they have to come back and, you know, it's long nights. So the families are always left out of this. So it's good stuff. The president emphasized the work his administration has done for the nation's heroes. This includes the VA Mission Act signed this year, which revolutionizes the way veterans access crucial health care services. So... The whole month of November. President Trump also urged Americans to take the time to thank veterans and their families for their role in defending our freedoms. If you want to see the, uh, what do you call it, the proclamation, uh, you can catch it on the White House. Uh, I don't have the URL in front of me. Whatever the White House press uh, website is, because I downloaded it. I would like to read, I actually like to read the formal stuff. The original document, and then I go read the the news summaries to see what's left out. Uh, that makes me really skeptic, skeptical, skeptical, and cynical. Which and cynical, by the way, is a great word if you're playing Scrabble. So, uh, yeah, he issued it. Uh, White House issued that proclamation October thirty first. So that's really cool. Oh, and I almost forgot the one big thing. Um, next week is election day. Next Tuesday is election day. So those of you who have voted early, good on you for doing so. Those of you who have not voted, um, do it. Get out there and do it. Your vote counts. Your vote is meaningful. Uh, and this year, I think more than ever, I very few elections in my lifetime have been at uh, a point where I felt it was it was vital to vote. I mean, I always like to. I like to exercise that right because I think it's a good thing to do. Um, and it goes back years and years and years uh, to something my dad said, which he asked me if I had voted in a particular election. I don't remember when it was. I think it was like some midterm and nobody nobody of any significance was up, but I was complaining about it. And he said, well, did you vote? And I said, mm, no, I'm not going to do that. The guy's stupid. And my dad said, well, shut your mouth. <laughs> he said, if you don't vote, you don't get an opinion. 
And I have voted in every election I could have since then. And that's been 25, almost 30 years. So get out there and vote. Um, doesn't matter who you vote for. It, just cast your vote, right? The more people involved, uh, frankly, I think the healthier our democracy and the stronger our country is. And again, you know, maybe maybe the left wins, maybe the right wins. But as we've seen, clearly votes do make a difference. And there were a lot of close states during the last election, a lot of close races. Um, and, and there are occasions where it comes down to, uh, you know, 100, 200 votes. Right. And if you're the one sitting at home, you could have made a difference. So don't don't let that slide. And I mentioned that because there was a nice segue here. Uh, there's a story. Twenty eight hot congressional races. Veterans are trying to win in the midterms. And uh, so there's a story about all the vets who are who are running. More than 200 veterans are vying for House and Senate seats this election season. Dozens of those candidates will duke it out on Tuesday in uh, some of the country's hottest races. The Cook Political Report, nonpartisan, identified 73 House and 14 Senate races that are likely to be highly competitive this election day. Of those races, 28 will have veterans on the ballots. Which is interesting. That's that's, that's a lot. So I I think the uh, vet world here has kind of woken up in the last couple of years. Like, hey, we can actually do this. So, um, and then they go, you know, they obviously go into the Senate races. Arizona, you have Martha McSally, who was an A-10 pilot. Uh, she's the Republican. And then McSally is going up against Kristen Cinema, a Democrat who currently serves in the House. Uh, Florida, you got two vets. Former Army Captain Bill Nelson, the Democrat incumbent, and Rick Scott, Florida's Republican governor who served as a Navy radar tech. And they're both vying for a Senate seat. On uh, New Jersey, you have Bob Huggin, who served as an active duty and reserve Marine grunt officer and is run- running as a Republican against Bob Menendez, the Democrat incumbent. Uh, and I, you'll notice how I didn't mention his, <laughs> his escaping federal charges not long ago. Uh, House races. Uh, da, 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 on the House race, da, 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 California's 10th District, Republican uh, Representative Jeff Denham, a former staff sergeant in the Air Force and Reserve, will try to hold on to his seat. He's being challenged by Josh Harder, a venture capitalist running as a Democrat. Uh, 25th District out there, you got a guy named Steve Knight who was in the Army and with the LAPD, and he's going to try to keep his seat in the House. You got uh, 39th District, Gil Cisneros, a former Navy supply officer who won the lottery in 2010, is what is running as a Democrat against Kim Young, a Republican politician who served in the state assembly. Dude, if you won the lottery, go, man. Go to the beach. Why? Why would you do that? If I won the lottery, the last thing I would do is run for office. That's, that's, oh. I would vote against that guy just for being stupid like that. Uh, California's 50th District, Republican, uh, oh, our buddy Duncan Hunter, a veteran Marine officer who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, is being challenged by Amar Kampanajar. Ah, now, as you'll recall, Hunter, who served in, who's served in the House since 2009, is under federal indictment for allegedly misusing campaign funds. Hunter has denied any wrongdoing, calling the situation a witch hunt. Uh-huh. 
That should be an easy one. You got one in Colorado. Um, Florida, 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 Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Minnesota, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, PA, Texas, Virginia, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wisconsin. So there's a whole bunch of vets out there running. Do your research. Um, there are a couple of sites online where you can go in and see an interactive map. Look at all the candidates and see how they're doing. Uh, and on some of them, you can even plot your own map to see how you do. Kind of like doing a sports book. It's kind of neat. So I, I geek out and I spend a lot of time on those sites. Um, so that's that. We're going to wrap up here. Um, again, get out Tuesday and vote next weekend. If you're tuning into the Veterans Report, we are going to be speaking with the VP of Military and Veterans Affairs for Microsoft. Yes, that Microsoft. So tune in next week. It is also going to be the Marine Corps birthday next Saturday. So whether or not you're a Marine, you're going to celebrate. And that should do it. So, um, all right. And that'll do it for this episode of the Veterans Report. Until next time, I'm your host, Jim Cannon. You've been listening to the Veterans Report. Let others know about the show. You can find us online at theveteransreport.com. If you'd like to contact us, send an email to editor at theveteransreport.com. Join us again at the same time for up-to-date veterans news and information. The Veterans Report. Thank you for your service and carry on. The Veterans Report has been sponsored by James Cannon.